tell you something for nothing, lads. You wouldn't be homesick with the weather we're having. What happened to that summer at all? I've seen more rain the last few weeks there. Philip O'Connor here once again. It is the Irish in Sweden podcast. If you're new to this kind of malarkey, every week I make a podcast for the Irish community here in Sweden. You don't have to listen to it, but it helps if you do, because otherwise I'm just sitting here talking to myself. Uh, summer is very much over by the looks of things, lads. So it's, uh, I think the autumn has kicked in now and it's only the early part of August, uh, which is always a little bit disappointed when you consider uh, how far north of the equator that we live. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. I hope you're not back to work already. Something tells me many of you will be. Actually, I'll tell you exactly what tells me that. I'm only just in the door after being in Uppsala tonight where the water boys were playing the great mike scott of course uh, a scotsman to begin with but very much identified with ireland made a couple of brilliant albums um room to roam and of course fisherman's blues in the village of spittle in county galway way back in the middle eight, in the mid 80s and of course we had to adopt him no more than he adopted us and there he is now living in Ballsbridge in dublin for god knows how long so he was playing out in Uppsala this evening in the pouring rain, right? And it was the kind of rain that Irish people absolutely love, right? You know the expression, soft day, thank God, right? It was that kind of rain. You know the kind of rain that's even wetter than normal rain because it's so fine that it just creeps into every organ and fibre of your being and it takes you months to dry out again. That kind of rain, lads. So there were the water boys out in the middle of what's a place called Park Sneckan, which is in very central um, Uppsala there, near Studentina's EP, where uh, some of the local football teams played their home games, and serious and that kind of thing. Uh, and they were playing out there. It's a lovely little venue, right? It's a little stage, a little outdoor stage, and there's this sort of rings of benches around it. And of course they're numbered. And of course the Swedish people were looking at the numbers on their tickets and looking at the numbers in their seats and wondering what I was doing sitting in their seat with me big Irish head in me. But the rain was teeming down the whole night and uh, Mike Scott and the Waterboys were brilliant. If you haven't listened to them before, get on to Spotify, have a listen to Fisherman's Blues, Room to Roam, uh, All Souls Hill, I think is their most recent album, This Is The Sea. I felt like I was fucking sitting in a half the night, but uh, well worth a listen to. I had a little chat with Mike afterwards and his tour manager, Paddy, lovely people. As I said, they've been living in Ireland. Paddy is an Irishman, but Mike's been living in Dublin for so long now. And his former uh, tour assistant was a neighbour of mine called Aidan Lee, which is, I mean, I would have been at the gig anyway because it's uh, the music is so brilliant. But there are long, long connections there. But I was on the way back and my eldest daughter driving the car because she's uh, she's doing what's called evening shining. So she's going to be doing her driving test in the, in the near future. Pouring down with rain. But the traffic lads. Because what seems to have happened is everybody in Stockholm went, right, well, we're going to be off at our summer studio, our little house out in the woods. And then we leave it as late as possible on Sunday because we're going back to work on Monday morning. And it was thundering down rain and it was lightning. I don't know how many bolts of lightning we must have seen. It was loads of it, right? But the roads were absolutely rammed at a quarter past nine or half past nine of a Sunday evening. So I'd imagine that there was one or two Irish people sitting in their cars along the E4 motorway this evening, heading back to town, uh, trying to get the kids to daycare and to fritis and to all these kinds of places and uh, so they didn't go to work tomorrow. Or maybe one of you is still at home and the other one has gone back to work. However it is, we're getting into the point now where uh, we will be going back to work for the summer. And there's a downside to that. As I say, the evenings are getting shorter and the weather's getting worse. But 
Gaelic games, lads. This is usually a time of the year when there's a tournament or two, and maybe uh, with the Viking Gales, we'll be looking at hurling a bit in Europe and that kind of thing. But there's definitely a Gaelic football tournament on above in Yavla on the 26th of August. And a week before that, on the 19th, there's going to be a Stockholm Gales internal tournament for past players, current players, former players, new players, old players, Andy 20 players, John Player Blue, anything at all that you can think of. There'll be a bit of a run out there on the 19th, and there's going to be an event there in Skarpneck with the Swedish Irish Society. So what better way to go about this week's podcast as we ease back into the normalities of life here in our adopted home of Sweden than to get a couple of the Gaelic Games representatives on. But it's not the ladies and men's Gaelic football team this week, lads. It is the ladies of Stockholm Camogie, the Stockholm Gales Camogie team. Now, we will have heard from Michelle Cotter before. I think, was it earlier this year or was it late last year? I can't remember exactly. I think it was earlier this year because she was above in some cabin in Finland doing whatever it was she was doing. But the girls have been uh, plugging away in the camogie scene and I know that they've been talking to John Carroll down below in Malmo about possibly going in on the Viking Gales banner and, and what would be best for, for the girls playing and that. And they've been tipping away in Haga Park in here in Stockholm and it's a very sort of a sociable thing. They get they get down there, Michelle coaches them, teaches them a few skills and that kind of thing. She's played a good bit of camogie before as you'll hear but there's a lot of uh, beginners there as well and it's a very sort of a social kind of a setup. So Michelle was away at the GAA World Games which were held in the last week of July over in Derry and she went over there she was picked to represent Europe we have some an inter-county player picked for County Europe lads in our Camogie team and they're only just started her Jesus this is going from strength to strength but the big thing about going over there and playing in the GEA World Games was all the people she got to meet and um so I wanted to get her on the podcast. I got Hazel Riley on as well because Hazel is, uh, she's been on the podcast before. She's part of uh, both the Swedish Irish Society and the Stockholm Gales and is on the committee there. But just to get a little bit of a m- bit more background as to what's going on with the Camogie Girls and that. So that is our interview coming up this week in a very, very brief moment. Before we do that, your regular reminder that this is a community supported podcast, lads. It only exists because you do. And it would be great if you could support the podcast because that means I'll be able to give it the time and the energy and the dedication and the resources that it deserves. There are no barter accounts here a la RTE in Dublin 4. In fact, I seem to be wiped out by RTE at the moment. They don't seem to want me anywhere near the place at all. I must have said something to upset somebody. But if I can count on your support, well, then I don't need them for freelance journalism. I can just talk directly to you, my wonderful audience. So if you can go to patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm and sign up for a five a month, that would be absolutely absolutely brilliant if you want to swish a few bob you can go to uh, you can do that to one two three two four two four one six six that's one two three two four two four one six six and that goes directly into the business bank account and the vat is paid and the taxes are paid and the accountant makes sure that everything is above board because we know you absolutely don't want to wind up on the wrong side of the tax man in this country, lads, because you ain't coming back from that, right? But as I say, if you could do that, if you could support it, and even if you can't, right, I've always said that these podcasts, this podcast and the Global Gale podcast, the Yarrowman and Stockholm podcast, the Premier Swedes podcast, they will always be free because I remember what it was like to be poor in this country uh, when we were first starting out, and I'm not going to put things behind a paywall because, you know, you can't put your community behind a paywall. That's not how it works, right? So the podcasts are free to everybody, 
uh, and you know consider it that if you're throwing in a fiver a month well then you're paying for somebody else who maybe can't afford it just yet to throw in their fiver a month and then when they get established maybe they'll support it and then when you're old and doddery you can stop supporting and so on and so forth right let us get to our interview this week uh, here is Michelle and Hazel talking about the growth of Stockholm Gales Camogie and there's a few very very interesting things coming up not least a few competitive games on the horizon lads Meh. how about that start the camogie chat with Michelle Cotter who is only just back off the plate well not really she came back on Friday but only just back from the World Games in Derry. Uh, Michelle sometimes when you're starting a club yourself and then you go into that situation one of two things can happen you can either go oh my god this is just far too big or you come back with the idea that yeah that's where I want to be I want to have my team there my teammates there I want everybody to experience that where are you and the whole thing now after being at the World Games in Derry? Um yeah, I mean it's it's a difficult one because I haven't I haven't played in that type of an environment for I'd say ten plus years where like part of a team you've got a specific position you need to know who you're marking and how so uh, it was a it was a big learning curve for me I'm kind of treating it like a, a training camp for the Stockholm Camogie team you know um, and try and filter back as much as I can but uh, yeah it was really exciting so you you kind of feel a sense of camaraderie when you're playing on the same team as somebody in a very legitimate sense you know trainings are great but we're they're training for the big the big game right or the real deal so uh yeah i'm, I'm not gonna lie i definitely want to have team sweden being represented at the world games three years from now there you go it's a mighty ambition and no better woman to get us there you had 18 over there which is well so there was two stockholm representatives on that team was there no just myself so um 18 was in ireland at the same time we also had Lydia in Ireland uh, briefly, so I think she overlapped for two days. And then uh, two of the team, uh, Michael Crawley and uh, Julie O'Neill were also over as well, so they came to support. But uh, no, I was the only player. You were the only player. And what was the setup like? Was there just, like, I mean, it is the World Games, so there must have been teams from everywhere. Were you sort of sleeping in some school hall or was it, you know, was that was it that big, was it? Uh, no, exactly that. Yeah, we were sleeping in the student accommodation at Derry, uh, one of the universities up there, Ulster University, I think it's called. Um, so yeah, there were five women per uh, apartment and we shared two bathrooms and a big kitchen. But uh, yeah, they housed a bunch of different teams there from, I think the Cambodian team were there. There were a couple of British teams there, an Australian team. So a real mixed bag, but uh, yeah, reliving my youth all the same. Um, Hazel, when Michelle comes back from an adventure like that, is it kind of like The Hobbit where she gives, gives you all these stories to follow a night down and then everybody goes, oh yeah, oh deadly, I want to be part of that. Or are you all looking at it and I go, oh, I don't know about that now, sharing with four other women and this kind of crack? Actually, that's the first I've heard about sharing the, with the women. But uh, we did see a few pictures of some bruises that I'm now concerned about my Kamogi career. It's it's one of those things though. Like you only get the bruises if you hold on to the ball, right? If you get rid of the ball, you're the one giving out the bruises. And they're the rules. I don't make them, you know. But yeah. was Kamogi a sport that you played growing up, Hazel? Was it? No, I picked up a hurl for the first time at the start of this year because Michelle made me, and <laughs> she wasn't taking no for an answer when it came to joining the Kamogi team. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I actually really like. It. I think I pr nearly prefer it to the football then. 
Do you? Yeah. What What is it about it that you enjoy so much? I don't know. I think like there is a bit less running involved. Like you're not sprinting up and down the pitch after the ball. And like, I don't know, you kind of do release a bit of anger by uh, hitting the slitter. <laughs> like to be honest, it's a bit therapeutic. There's also, I find, a lot more anger in, you know the way when you're going to hit the slitter and you kind of miss it or it just catches the edge of a hurl? It's kind of like a bad shot in golf. There's nothing that makes me more angry than that. How do you feel your skills have developed over the first uh, six or seven or eight months of playing camogie with Michelle and the girls? Um, actually, I think we've all improved like pretty quickly. Now, I unfortunately don't get to go every week because of work, but like I think... Just even going every second week, the skills have improved quite a bit um, for an absolute beginner. Mm. I think we're doing pretty good. Would you agree, Michelle? I think we're doing fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I think uh, most of the team hadn't actually played camogie or hurling uh, growing up, even the Irish contingent from the team. Um, so to not know which way is up versus down and uh, be getting to our own kind of practice matches in the last couple of training sessions to prepping for a tournament I think the speed of progress has been phenomenal I think that's down to a couple of things but one of the biggest ones is just how encouraging we are of each other you know so you're dead right Phil you kind of you throw a ball and you miss it and it just feels horrible right like it just feels wrong um but we've got a really supportive group where you know you're encouraged to just keep going even if it takes you 10 or 11 tries just keep trying to get it and, and you will get it and I think that's kind of not alone what's brought our skills to this point, but also what has kept bringing people back, you know? Mm. When you look at it, Michelle, because obviously you had some experience of playing the game before and you love the game and that's why you want to have it here in Stockholm. But I've always found that, you know, when you're coaching adults is different to coaching children, right? Did you sort of sit down with your pen and paper and go, right, this is how I need to teach or this is how I need to coach people so that they feel competent quickly? Because there's nothing that'll kill you faster than doing something 10 times and doing it wrong. You know, maybe that's only for men now that would just give up instantaneously and you girls will have a little bit more fight in you. But did you work, did you have to sit down and work that out? for yourself or was that something you learned as you went along to be honest yeah I was kind of trial and error like there's a couple of different things that had to happen at the very beginning first of all we didn't have any balls right so uh, we were playing with three slitters and three tennis balls and protecting the slitters you know for our lives um, so there were no long puck competitions being uh, being done at, at any training session but uh, trying to get hurlies as well trying to get people involved trying to keep up social media alongside Hazel um, so when it came to the actual training, yeah, really just trial and error. I was trying to remember in motion different drills that I would have done as a teenager um, uh, and trying to then effectively communicate those drills out to people who have never done them before. Um, so when I say that everybody's really supportive, to be fair, they're supportive of me as well. They know that, you know, I'm not coming in as an experienced coach or anybody that's ever trained a team before and so they're they're also kind of giving me a little bit of leeway and there there were a couple of training sessions where I would throw it out to the audience so to speak and say all right uh we need to practice doing you know this action but I can't think of anything uh and that was the only time that I really caused confusion and learned no I should actually communicate what the drill is uh because then you have 10 women that are eager to help um and the drill takes all sorts of kind of shapes and sizes but uh the only time I've ever really started to formulate a plan was, uh, as Hazel said, there were a couple of uh, suspect bruises that came out of the World Games and I won't lie, it made me quite nervous. Um, I'm not nervous that we'll win or lose. I'm just nervous that 
of I'm nervous of standing in a team that I haven't prepared fully for what match play really is like. Uh, so then I started asking, uh, you know, everybody and their uncle at the games what they would do to train up a team in, you know, things like soloing or even uh, tackling for the ball or long pucks or calling for the ball, you know, just the real basics. Um, and so I've got one big long note in the notes section of my iPhone and started to work through that at this week's training. So I think this week's one was a little bit different to what we've done before, a little bit more formal, uh, but really good. So I was happy with it. As a relative beginner, Hazel, let's pretend that Michelle is not here for a second, if that's possible. What do you like about her training? Is it something that suits you? Is there something she could do better? Is there something she needs to do more of? Um, I actually, I really like going down to the Camogie. And I think Michelle, like, took to coaching quite naturally. Like, from the beginning, like, she's got a good command of the girls that when Michelle speaks, kind of people do stop talking and listen to what they have to do next. Um, and like she's a really really encouraging coach like when I first started and I couldn't get the rolling lift she was like just be patient like it will come it's fine but I don't think I don't think I'd have any pointers of stuff that she should do more or better like I do I think she's a really good coach my god the compliments are flying here all together I'm sure the check is in the post there from Michelle uh, Hazel when you see when you see those bruises right and Michelle saying that she's changed things a little bit now from last Tuesday's uh, training session there's going to be more match like just to prepare you for that is there any fear in you about getting stuck into it because it can be high tempo it can be a little bit physical when you start to play against other girls from other clubs and maybe you know the fact that everybody's so nice and supportive to one another in the Stockholm Gales it might give you a little false sense of security kind of thing yeah, I think um, like last week we did ground play and I do think I kind of pulled back. We did ground play because we weren't uh, wearing helmets, so we wanted to keep it safe. But I think then I did kind of pull back because I was like, I don't know if I like this without a helmet, but I think with a helmet, I'll be happy enough to get stuck in. But uh, I like, I think as you're, as you get older, there is always this fear of injury. Like, I already had one ACL surgery. I do not want to have another. Um, so I think I always have injury on the brain. Well, I suppose being a, a researcher in, in science and medical background and that kind of thing, you're always thinking about the things that could possibly go wrong. Um, Michelle, what was the standard like at the World Games, right? Because you mentioned our friends from Korja Khmer there in uh, in Cambodia. They managed to get a team over, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And I, apparently there was a lot of native players from Cambodia who were playing there. Were they able to hurl? Did they play the game differently from what you expected? I was just thinking there about, you know, maybe it might not be a good idea to solo. Maybe it might be a good idea to hand pass the ball more until and you know to poke the ball a little bit shorter maybe you know was the, did you see anything different in how they play so that's a really good question because I kind of felt almost like a kinship with them um uh they were playing in the international division we were playing in the open division and so the only difference there was that uh born in Ireland and living abroad versus uh not born in Ireland and living abroad so um so they were playing in the international one but much like Hazel said there, we've got such a good vibe and such a good team spirit in Stockholm uh, that part of me was wondering, do we also have the competitive edge? You know, are we also going to be hungry for the win or for the points and goals? And I have to say, one of the things that I noticed the most about their play was the sense of camaraderie that they had as a team. So they were passing the ball more than any other team that I saw on the pitch all week long um, and passing it quickly, dynamically, accurately. Um, 
and leaving the leaving the pitch every single day, regardless of win, loss or draw, with a smile, as in just so happy to be participating. And I think, you know, whether it's the World Games or whether it's a local tournament or a friendly match with a neighbouring, you know, country or city, I think that's that's really the sense of what we're trying to do. Like we're not really going to win, you know, big trophies and you know, World Cups or anything like that, but to promote the sports, to get a little bit better, to you know, stay active, to build a sense of kind of uh, a team, right? A team environment, a team dynamic, a community. I think that's what it's about. And that's what I loved about how they were playing the game. Um, versus the division I was in where you've got women who were born in Ireland and possibly played very competitively in Ireland. They could have played at county level before moving abroad to the likes of Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Sydney, and came back competitively to win. And they did, right? They played, they played the game expertly, but I couldn't tell you any of their names. Right. In terms of kind of that kinship, friendship, community sense that came from Cambodia, which I thought was fantastic. Um, were there many other European clubs that you bumped into that were in the same situation as yourself that had maybe a mix of players or that kind of thing? And was that you could learn from them? And surprisingly, a lot of the women that I spoke to that. So I was on the European teams who were based all over Europe, uh, predominantly Brussels. I think six people on our team came from Brussels, one from Eindhoven, over, ugh, Eindhoven, one from The Hague, one from Vienna. Um, but one of the you know pieces of feedback I got from any of the Camogie players across Europe was that they're struggling for numbers. You know, I felt incredibly proud of what we're doing over in Stockholm when thinking about the size of our panel, the number of people we're bringing to our very first tournament. I thought, Jesus, you know, uh, the quality of our coach is the problem, not number. Um, you know, to... to uh, I think we got 14 people to training, including your daughter, um, just this week, right? So it's not actually a numbers issue that we have. Um, and I think the skills will come in time. So we've got we've got the community, we've got the number. And if anything, it makes me think about why other teams across Europe might be struggling for camogie players because we're brand new, right? We set up a couple of months ago. If you want to be generous, you could say a year. Um, and these clubs have had uh, a camogie presence for maybe eight years, 10 years, um, and dwindle, right? So they have five, six players at training and they had one or two to come to the games. I thought that was really interesting and it shows that leading with community, at least so far, works. How important is that social aspect, Hazel? Because, uh, and I don't want to be glib about it at all, right? But when I look at the Instagram, it's sort of 50% training pictures and 50% here's what we got up to together. And you seem to do things as a group, uh, both in terms, you know, volunteering, going to each other's workplaces. I think you were at the Ronald McDonald House helping out there recently. How important is that to you to be part of a team that does that kind of thing together outside of the sport? I actually think it's hugely important. Like, I think when all these kind of extra things are being organized, you want to then be going to training and be involved and like help with like everyone building their skills. You don't want to just be that person who's maybe just going to the fun things or going down to training, but then not getting to know the girls by not going to the social activities. You know, I think the two of them have to come together. And I think that's something we've taken on for the football because we are struggling with numbers for the ladies' football, but we don't do as much social aspect, like social things as a ladies' football team. So I think like that's kind of a very good example of why the socializing works, that you've got this like 
camaraderie and then you kind of push each other to keep going when it comes to training how much contact do you have with one another outside of training in these activities is this a whatsapp group that's buzzing from seven o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night hazel yes absolutely <laughs> and there's also like you know you text her in the group chat but then you're also like talking to the girls separately about other things that are going on in their life and organizing going to the park run or drinks or birthday parties or whatever so we're always talking um two questions michelle one the first one is what do you need from the irish community to keep this going i know that you've been in touch with uh, with john carroll down below from the viking gales uh, john is down in malmo and has had hurling at his heart for many years is there anything we could do for you do you need money do you need fans do you need support do you need people to share things on instagram what do you need from us as a community uh, to be honest, I, I was asked this question in, in Derry as well. So uh, Emma Ridge, her aunt is actually the diversity and inclusion officer for the GAA, Jeremy McTavish, and interviewed myself and Lorena from the Den Haag uh, Kamogi team and asked the exact same question, you know, what do you need? Um, and it took me a second because I thought, do we need money? No, we can kind of muck along with what we have. Do we need equipment? No, we just got sorted with hurleys and helmets. And I'm also not the type to ask for something, you know, just cause. Um, so I thought, what, what would we really benefit from? And to be honest with you, I think just support in whatever form that arrives. And I think, you know, vocal support or, or a physical presence or just something that's encouraging, I think it's actually all we need. I, I'd like, you know, by the end of next season, because we're coming to the end of this one, right? We've only got about a month and a half, two months left at a push. Um, by the end of next season, I'd love to be in a better position in terms of integration within the community. You know, um, like I'll hold my hands up. I don't know many of the uh, people from the men's football team. I don't know many of the people from the Irish Embassy. I don't know many people, if anybody actually, that I could name from the uh, Swedish Irish Society. Like I don't know people. And if I don't know them, they don't know me and potentially our team either. And I'd love to just be further integrated where not alone we get more support to say, listen, like we see what you're doing. We see that you are brand new, that a lot of you are probably nervous of not being good enough or self-conscious about your skill level or even the fact that, like Hazel said, getting that bit older and putting yourself in, you know, the line of fire in a match, so to speak. Um, there's a lot of women that are coming back to a team sport for the first time in a decade, right? And just to say, like, we see what you're doing and we support it and kudos. And in return, we're, you know, prime candidates to do the same, right? To be supportive of people putting themselves out there, trying something new to show up for them. Um, so I think that's what I'd like more, but that's not just on other people. That's on us as well to also be part of that better integrated, better connected Irish and friends community in Stockholm. Hazel, the first tournament that's coming up, presumably the first Camogie tournament, tournament that you've ever played is going to be, is it in The Hague in uh, the start of September? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, what, what, I'm what nervous. Do the, what, what do the preparations look for you when you're going down there now? Is there going to be maybe a friendly game before that? Is there another team that you can play? Can we get girls out to give you a bit of opposition so that, or even guys for that matter so that you can practice what you're doing as a team? I think a friendly game would be very handy, but I think we're going down with the mindset that this is our first game. That the outcome, whatever the outcome is, we went down and we played and we're going to actually learn more from that first match than anything else. Like, I think it's 
the next step in kind of our learning curve for Camogie. What what are the next few weeks going to look like for you? Will you be carb loading now and you'll be doing your uh, restitution in the gym and this kind of thing, or uh, or just hoping to make training a couple of training sessions before you go? Carb loading and extra training sessions, I think, is what I needed, and I'll never say no to carb loading. <laughs> that, that's always been my problem in the GEA as well as the carb loading is the best bit you know and um, could we just look at the at the rest of the club because obviously Stockholm Gales Camogie has been uh, a part of Stockholm Gales but separate you guys have very much been looking after yourselves as you start this up and you're running it and that you know but the rest of the club is having a family day on the 19th of August or a family day so it's having a sort of an internal tournament on the 19th of August is that correct? Yeah so we're going to have like it's not even we we've called it an internal tournament but that's more because i didn't know what else to call it um we are having this little tournament but it can be past players current players or even new members that want to come down and try now your first attempt at gaelic football maybe going in straight into a match isn't ideal but like a lot of people can pick it up i know like the asl uh teams picked up the gaelic no bother they could come down and join in one of the teams um and it's then in conjunction with the swedish irish society and um, that they're having their family day so that we can do the kids session again because the kids loved that last year that we showed them a bit of football and we're also hoping that there might be a camogie representation for the kids skills um in august depends on michelle's schedule but uh yeah I think it'll be a really fun day out and it, like there'll be a barbecue, food provided by the Swedish Irish Society and would love to get some supporters for the football matches. And that, that's taking place, is it 12 o'clock at Scalpnick's EP on the south side of town there? That's when that kicks off that day. Yeah, so we've booked the pitches from 11 till 4, but I reckon by the time things are set up, it's probably like looking at 11.30 to 12 for the first game. And that's on the grass pitches there by the by the sound of things, is it? Yeah, exactly. So that we'll be close to the barbecue pit for uh feeling it afterwards. Absolutely vital. Absolutely vital to be close to the barbecue at the end of that, you know. Um, Michelle, if people want to get involved in Stockholm Gales, Camogie in particular, right? I need you to give me the elevator pitch now. You have like a minute now to tell me why they should do this and how. Oh my god. Oh Jesus, I was not prepared for that. That's why I'm throwing it at you. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's a good way to get active, a good way to learn. You know, in fact, I know it is. It's an it's a great way to learn new skills, meet new people, uh, and and further develop a sense of community in Stockholm. Um, regardless of whether you're brand new to the city or not, and I think that's a really important part is that if you're brand new and you're looking for people to meet and things to get involved in, check us out on Instagram, Stockholm Kamoki. Um, but even if you've been living here for a couple of years and you could benefit from a few more friends and something to do midweek, you know, especially as it's raining now, um, I think it's also another just good opportunity to, yeah, meet the best group of women I've ever met anyway. Um, I can't say much more than that. Obviously, we're going on trips, but I don't want that to be the plug where you'll have people turning up to uh, saying yes in a poll to go to the Netherlands, but not turning up to a training session. So. Uh, although that is like the nice cherry on top. Um, and also the fact that it's not just limited on a Tuesday to training in Haga Park, but we do so much more than that. Even active things like Kezo was saying, the park run, there's a bunch of us doing the Stockholm Half Marathon. Uh, we're looking at potentially 
uh, flexing our muscles on the ice skating rink and practicing a bit of ice hockey in the winter to keep some of those ground play skills alive. So um, it's just the best crack, to be honest. It sounds absolutely brilliant. And that was going to be sort of one of the last questions I had is how do you keep this going through the winter? Because uh, there was discussions there about, you know, what other sports that you might do, or will it be just a more of a sort of a social thing through the winter until the snow melts again? But uh, ice hockey, Hazel, how do you look at that? I'm looking forward to it. It's been a while since I've been on an ice skating rink, but I'm willing to try at least. That's <laughs> something a bit different, you know? Yeah. Has has anybody in the club, I'm sure some of the Swedes are in the club, have you ever played this floorball in the bandy that the Swedes call it? It's a very sort of popular sport. Is there any plans to get in that? Because that's very much a sort of a ground hurling type of game that's played indoors in the winter. This is the first I've heard of this game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. We, we, we might have to have a separate conversation about this. I think the Swedes are perennial world champions at this thing. Uh, now, the only problem is the first time I played it among Swedish people and somebody fired the ball over my head and I came down with the, the Inabandi stick as if I was in Braveheart, like it was a sword kind of thing. And uh, it's fair to say the referee didn't appreciate that. So I was told you're not supposed to have it over knee height, which might uh, <laughs> might have a, f- a few problems for the Camogues as we go along there. So people can get in touch with you on Instagram. It's at Stockholm Camogie is where they'll find you. Uh, where you train at Hogger Park and is it Tuesday evenings at half past six, Michelle? Is that right? You got it. Yeah. Somebody's been keeping an eye on our story, Phil. Well done. Look, at I've been from the very beginning because I'm delighted with this. And then at half past nine on Saturday mornings, you have the park run. That's also in Hogger Park, is it? It is indeed. Yeah, we actually, it starts off at a, at a very similar spot to where we train. So if you know where the park run starts, then you know where Camogie is played. Brilliant. And if you need to get in touch with anybody at the Stockholm Gales or at uh, Stockholm Camogie, Michelle Cotter and Hazel are the, w- the women to get in touch with. But for now, ladies, thanks so much. And maybe you might come back and talk to us a little bit when you've been to your first tournament in The Hague and uh, we can count the bruises together. But for now, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. There you go. The magnificent women of Stockholm Camogie, the Stockholm Gales Camogie team, right? Follow them on Instagram. Um, when Michelle was talking about wanting support there, I mean, sometimes it can feel a little bit diffuse or a little bit sort of um, uh, unclear what it is they're looking for, right? But what I think what really matters is knowing that people care, right? It doesn't matter where you are in Sweden. You know, if you're part of Malmo GA or Gothenburg GA, we should all support one another in these things, right? The best thing you can do is go to at Stockholm Camogie, at Stockholm Camogie on Instagram and start following them there, right? Leave an L comment, like an L picture. They put up a few pictures from uh, their various different training sessions and park runs and the social things that they could up together uh, up to together and that kind of thing and it's uh, it really is well worth uh, supporting and that kind of thing and they'll support you if you have a business or whatever send them a message and say lads would you give us a like would you give us an L follow there on Instagram and uh, we'll share one another's things and that and just get involved in that way and give them a pat on the back when they do well and give them a little bit of a lift if things go badly for them on the field or off uh, and I think that's about the best way that we can do it and I'm going to have to be a little bit better myself, I have to say, at uh, including people's Instagram handles for their businesses when I speak to them and that kind of thing, because that really is a good way of keeping in touch, you know, of using social media, whether it be Twitter or LinkedIn, but Instagram seems to be the main way. I remember when uh, when Libby was here, Libby Darcy was here, recently got married there, uh, and she would always say, it's all about the gram, but that's where she does all her socialising. So uh, if we can follow one another on there and leave a few likes and comments and that kind of thing, and interaction, that's what you want, interaction, boys and girls. 
bit of action going on there. But uh, they're also great crack as well. And uh, Michelle is a very humorous individual, and Hazel's very talented and very interesting person as well. So, like, if you're following all those guys, you get a, a good bit of credit. Brightens up my day following them and seeing what they're up to uh, after their training sessions and their park runs on a Saturday morning, that kind of thing. It's all good crack whatsoever. Another thing that was good crack, and unfortunately, I didn't make it myself because the eldest, as I mentioned, not only is she studying for a driver's license, but she is moving down to Lynn Shepping to go to uni- university. So, uh, the first one is getting ready to fly the nest. So, we were down there in her new apartment with our pal uh, that she went to school with they're going to be sharing an apartment down there and they're starting university soon enough so on Saturday we drove down there with all the bits and pieces and the clothes and the bed and uh, various saucepans and uh, the glasses and the mugs and the cups in the place that we don't want anymore you know all the chip stuff you know ourselves so we had to drive down there and that meant that very unfortunately we missed taking part as a family in the pride parade the stockholm pride parade which took place on saturday uh, at 12 o'clock i think it was on august 5th in uh, together with the irish embassy and of course the magnificent debug slash connor who was on the podcast last week to talk about being a drag queen to talk about pride and the importance of pride and that kind of thing but i see that there was a huge turnout and i see that d was a very very big hit uh, I think D did some work for was it Urban Delhi the day before the Pride Parade happened, and then was part of the Pride Parade with a big uh, red Irish colleen wig on, and everything. it was just magnificent. The, the amount of effort that D put into it, and and no no doubt the expense of it as well. But it looked like a brilliant day, and there was a lot of um, Irish people from the uh, from the Irish community, gay people from the community, and others as well straight people as well getting out there and celebrating it and it really is magnificent to see because it can be very tough at the moment i think i said it last week when i was talking to Dee on the podcast in some of the remarks around it it's a very difficult time for queer people uh there's an awful lot of things get said there's an awful lot of aggression towards them online there's an awful lot of aggression towards them in real life um and it's just something that can't be tolerated like every single one of us it doesn't matter whether we're living here in ireland or in america or anywhere else like that we're just trying to live our best lives we're trying to get on with it trying to get a job trying to have our relationships and have our families and that kind of thing and that goes for absolutely everybody in the community nobody is out to get anybody else nobody is out trying to get one up on anybody else we just want to get on with being who we are and live our best lives and that goes for the straight community as well as for the queer community so uh, it's it really is important at times like this at particularly at times like this to get out there and to show your support and really not to sort of you know i mean when we went to school and that kind of thing you would always have the jokes about gay people and that kind of thing and i think i've said i've said it many times that we were always petrified that you know the worst thing the world could happen to you when i was growing up in dublin was that you might turn out to be gay thankfully that time has passed um, but let's not let it come back again right we just we just don't want it back again we want to, to live in a place and in a community where people feel safe and secure and where they're entitled to love whoever they want to love and to live however they want to live right it's that simple so delighted for debug uh, our resident Irish drag queen here in Stockholm who did such a magnificent job uh, over the Pride Parade and a huge thanks to the Embassy as well because no doubt I haven't looked because I just can't be arsed on social media anymore lads but every time you put up uh, a, like a tweet or anything else like that or an Instagram post about Pride and that kind of thing you'll have any amount of gobshites in the comments blathering on about whatever fucking nonsense they read on Flashback or on some bleeding Egypt Twitter space or whatever you know so I haven't read any of the comments or that under that because 
it's not easy to stick your head above the parapet and no doubt whoever's responsible for social media uh, in the embassy I don't even know who that is at this stage but no doubt they got a whole heap of stick and it's not no fun whatsoever reading those comments especially if you happen to be a queer person yourself but uh, kudos to them kudos to the ambassador to Ambassador Austin Gormley who I'm hoping to catch up with now before he moves to South Africa so uh, god I better get on to Dory now because he'll be moving soon enough I think he's back this week yeah so kudos to them for getting involved and for really sort of you know putting their name to this and saying no we're not going to back down we're not going to hide uh, hide our talent under a bush and we're going to get out there and we're going to support the queer members of our community I think it's a brilliant thing to do all together listen I shall leave you with that because as you can hear it is 5 past 11 on a Sunday evening and my whatsapp is still pinging because it just never stops so I'm going to upload this for you and you are going to enjoy it and then we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast until then my friends regardless of the weather take care of you ourselves take care of one another and i shall be back again with another episode next week take a handy
There you go. That was the wonderful Chris O'Neill there. What a terribly nice fellow and a fascinating story altogether. And uh, do check out the handball. I think it's going to be on Viasat or Via Play or one of those channels over the next little while. But uh, if you're working with Swedes at all, you're probably going to bump into some talk about this. And of course, the cross-country skiing season is going on and the biathlon season is going on and all these things are going on. So... Get involved in them. See what your workmates are talking about and check it out. We've had Carl Lambert on the podcast here before talking about doing Vossa Luppets, the big uh, ski race. And I think back in the day there, we had uh, Thomas, um, not necessarily Swedish-Irish, but certainly Norwegian-Irish, who competed at uh, the Olympics in cross-country skiing for Ireland. So interesting to listen to and find something different to do because in one way, we're always talking to the Gaelic Games community about how to get Swedes to play our games and we kind of have to start reciprocating that a little bit. And I often thought, to be honest, uh, and maybe you got the same impression from what Chris was saying there, that handball players would be great Gaelic footballers, boys and girls. So we really need to get down to the handball clubs and get involved there. And so the side looked at them and go, you know what, uh, during the summer here is a bit of ball going on if you fancy it because they don't tend to play during the summer especially the recreational players which is the kind of player I suppose that uh, Chris himself has become at this point you know so um definitely worth taking that idea out there maybe actually if you're above in Yavla or if you're above in Lulio you might do a bit of a swap so you can go to your local handball club and say look at we've a bunch of guys a bunch of girls here working on sites during the day and they'd like a bit of a runabout uh, during the winter and maybe we can you know you can try having a run out with us during the summer and come down and try Gaelic games and that because if we're going to have a future for Gaelic games it means having natives you know local people people who are born and bred here including our own children has to be said it it means having them involved in the sports you know so it might be a sort of an area for growth uh, it might be a, a source of players it might be a source of contact with the local community it might be a source of indoor training facilities which jesus knows we spent ages arguing over and fighting over and talking about uh, before we go, don't forget now that, of course, this being the time of the year that it is, the Six Nations is around the corner, and there is no better place to be watching the Six Nations, boys and girls, than by getting down to Martin Hessian's pub, Veerstrom's pub in Gamlastown here in Stockholm. Uh, there is, of course, Fagan's pub down below, but Martin has been a very generous and very kind sponsor of this podcast from the very beginning, and I'm very grateful to him for that. Book a table, because if you just rock up at the door, you're going to find yourself, you know, sitting in the window there where you can't see the television, or there'll be some big Egypt with a head in front of you, usually my head, it has to be said. Uh, so do try to book a table somewhere and make sure that uh, if you are coming in to watch the rugby the Six Nations games Ireland will be playing five games there make sure to tell them that you want to be there to, to, to watch the rugby right? so that they don't put you in some quiet uh, little corner where great place for a first L Tinder date not that great if you're cheering on the boys in green right? and of course don't forget that the girls in green will be taking part in their own competition so you can also book tables for that uh, in the coming weeks we'll be looking to all those things and you know try to structure things a little bit better this year uh, in terms of letting you know what's coming on well in advance so when the Gaelic football clubs go back training that I'm hoping to be able to bring you all that kind of news of the when and the where and the what they're looking for and how you can get involved and of course we'll talk to the Swedish Irish Society about what they're looking for ahead of their AGM and indeed ahead of St Patrick's Day but of course, at the end of the day, I want to be talking about what you're interested in. So if you want to ping me on Instagram, if you want to ping me on Twitter, if you want to give me a call, if you have me number, find me on Facebook, report me to missing people, have me brought to your house by the police, whatever it is you need to do to get in touch, do it because I'm more than happy to hear from you. Because like I say, community podcast lads, this is all for and about you. And to a lesser extent, me waffling into a microphone every week, but it's all foreign about you. So do let me know if there's something that everybody else needs to know or if there's something that you'd like 
system to know if you've written a book, if you've written a poem, if you're doing a gig, start a company, get on to me and do all those things. Right, listen, we're running out of things to say, so we shall leave it there. Back with another episode next week. Uh, as I say, today, there is a stretch of the evenings. Not going to call it grand stretch of the evenings yet, lads, because that's not where we're at. But uh, we'll get through this winter as we've gotten through every winter to date. Uh, in the meantime, look after yourselves, look after one another, and I will be back to you next week with an up- another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>